Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 407 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is. You are way too calm. You're too calm. (laughs) No, you can't. Jason, I don't. I don't think you appreciate how how heavily I am breathing, how hard I am working to get the words out of my mouth. I am like, I am like overwhelmed at at just the whole. Yeah, that I I feel like I feel like I just you know I years ago I I uh, was able to run a Olympic distance triathlon. Like this is how I felt at the end of it. Just like total exhaustion and like like breathing is like i can't i don't know what to do with my hands dude dude, dude i'm i'm in breckenridge colorado i'm at altitude oh no that's dead. <laughs> that's very bad for this for this moment I, I i'm at altitude i was like I, like just going first of all i usually pace i've mentioned this before i usually pace i, I started out pacing and, and i was like i was about to have a heart attack <laughs> i was dying yeah i'm i'm, I'm not I, i'm not uh, uh all of my like Duke friend, like classmates, and I had whoever, to watch from the couch. To, it was not easy. It was. It not was, easy. The, folks. Okay, so so Donald's not here. Uh, right. He is in Mexico at the USA Mexico game. I actually haven't. Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should know how that game went. I have uh, no idea. No, I have no, no clue. idea. <laughs> um, I saw. I saw that it was zero. zero. Yeah, uh, it, it ended nil nil. So uh, that's a good result for America. That's great. Good. That's fine. You know, well, I'd rather we beat them, but that's a different that's a different problem for a different day. More importantly, I am your host for this episode. If you're this is the first time you're listening, that would be insane. Uh, yeah, you think we suck? <laughs> I'm your <laughs> I'm your I'm your host. I'm Sam Klein. I'm joined by Jason Evans. Duke. It, it is as I said. It, it's just after midnight. I guess it's now March 25th, 2022. The Duke Blue yes. Devils are advancing to the elite eight. They just like just what three minutes ago beat the Texas tech red Raiders. The final score 78 73. We told you before this game that this was a matchup of one elite offense in Duke and one elite defense in Texas tech. If I had told you that the final margin, Jason Evans was going to be a hundred or the, 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 the total score in this game was going to be 151 points. I feel I like we would have said one that Duke that won going away for Duke. And it was, and it was a good thing for Duke. Duke was down four points at halftime after coming back from a deficit. So they had, they had cut a little bit into the Texas tech run at the end of the first half late in the game. Jeremy Roach decides to take over for the blue devils has maybe his best, if certainly his most, his most effective game in I mean, a blue devil uniform. Let, let, let's be clear about Jeremy Roach. You know, I guess you can argue whether this was his best game as a Blue Devil. 15 points, five assists, four rebounds. He had an important steal. But the key is he shot seven of 11 against a really, really good defense in a super defensive team. And he hit all the big shots down the stretch. And those five assists were, I don't think there was a single one of them that wasn't a brilliant, brilliant pass. I spoke about in the last podcast about the fact that when Jeremy Roach gets in the lane, I feel like 80% of the time something good happens for him to get into the lane against the no middle defense and for good things to happen as often as they did against the no middle defense, like everything Texas tech does the best defensive team in the country. Everything they do is to prevent what Jeremy Roach just did to them. That is Jason. Do you have, 
Jason, do you have a headline for this game? Uh, can you can I, you I make one up one. on the? I, I haven't thought of one, I, but we got a good headline. We got a very good headline from Jared Strauss. Just sent it to us like literally the second we lo- loaded. Oh, I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, it's ready. This is really good. Roach roast red raiders. I can't beat that. That is really good, Jared. Hat tip, my friend. And, Roach, and we also I, now that Raiders. now that I'm opening the the, the inbox, uh, listener Arthur just came in with Roach making himself at home behind Tech's wall. Yeah, I I, I like that one too. I I was gonna offer up one uh, that was submitted by one of my friends, uh, Mike, who texted me early. I guess he didn't do this as a headline. He was just saying um, because he and I were talking earlier about what Duke was going to need to win. And we referenced a, a famous game uh, from 2010. And my friend Mike texted me, who needs Andre Dawkins when you have Jeremy Roach? Oh, yeah. The Baylor game from 2010. Yeah, was this? I mean, Jason, I, I, felt this, I felt this the whole way. This was the Baylor game in 2010. I mean, this was, this was exactly that sort of game where Duke is going up against a big, tough defensive team that just does not let you get in the lane that does not let you establish offense and Duke managed to push right through that. It is the, the axiom in sports is that great defense beats great offense. And to see that not happen is, is just really surprising. Duke shot almost 52% from the field in this game. You don't do that against Texas tech. 52% from the field against Texas tech. Uh, Wendell Moore's four of seven, Paulo Bancaro's seven of 12. Mark Williams is six of nine and Jeremy Roach is seven of 11, three of four, sorry, four of our five starters hit more than half their shots. I I, I never in a million years thought that would happen against this Texas tech defense. It was, it was great game planning by the coaches and it was great execution. And I mean, wow, such an impressive effort. No one thought this was going to happen. I can't find there. There's very few people who are picking Duke to win this game. But, uh, but they managed to find a way. And the fact that they got to 78, 78 points against Texas Tech, that's crazy. If we're, if we're sticking with our, our usual structure here, we start with the headlines, then we get to the good. I feel like we've, we've talked a fair bit about Jeremy Roach, although I did want to just come back and highlight again the insane ball pressure that Jeremy Roach was putting on. And by extension, and we'll get to Mark Williams in a minute, but by extension, the ball pressure that the Duke defense was putting on, on the perimeter, both in the traditional Duke man to man, but also in that stretch of zone defense in the second half where the, the, the Texas tech offense, look, we told you before this game, the Texas tech offense is not doing anything outrageously creative and their, their, their strength is really their ability to just lock it up on defense and force you into the wrong parts of the court. When Duke came out in the, in the zone defense in the second half, Texas Tech just had no plan for getting around it, getting through it. And it was a masterful, in a game where I was worried that Texas Tech was going to come out with the brilliant coaching maneuvers, Coach Cape was, was pulling out the stops tonight. I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I don't know if it was a Coach K thing or one of the other coaches or if it was this team, but I, as long as you're talking a little bit about the defense, I don't think they showed it on television, but they definitely commented on it. The entire team slapped the floor. And, and we've talked about floor slaps. At the very end, 
I think there was like one minute left and it was the possession. I don't remember who got the steal or whatever. It was a possession where we stopped Texas Tech at a key, key moment. I think I want to say it was when we had, we had a three point lead maybe uh, or a four point lead and we stopped them. And it was a possession where every single guy in the Duke team went down and slapped the floor. It's something we haven't seen in a long, long time from Duke. I love that they called back to that and that they then executed great defense. I thought our defense was really, really good. There were aspects of it. I mean, I don't know, Sam, if we're going to conflate the good and the bad. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought well, our I, I, we can come back to the bad because I, I do think let's, there are some things yeah. in this game that are, that'll be interesting to, to talk through. But, but finish the good on the defense. I, uh, Mark Williams, as usual, you know, incredibly intimidating. I thought Theo John was intimidating. He had a couple, he had a, a couple really nice blocks when he was in there. Um, Duke's defense traditionally, and all this season has started with those guys on the back line, but the ability now to extend it out a little bit more. And you were right, Jeremy Roach. Um, in fact, I love, there was a strategic moment late in the game where uh, Jeremy Roach started playing more and more aggressive defense because Duke had only three team fouls. And, and Coach K and the coaching staff had told Jeremy Roach and Wendell Moore, I think, you can get out there. You can risk it a little bit more. You can go after them even more. Try and get a steal. Try and foul them up. Let's burn some clock by, by really going after them because fouls did not matter. And by the way, the fact that Duke was able to keep Texas Tech off the free throw line and the fact, you know, Texas Tech only took nine free throws in this game. And the fact that Duke was able to... Um, uh, you know, uh, keep the entire team out of foul trouble was a big element in a game where, frankly, we didn't get very much at all from the bench. So we needed everybody to, to, to be available and not get in foul trouble. And, and we knew before this game that Texas Tech is not good at drawing the fouls. We know right. that, that that's, uh, that's something they struggle with. And Duke absolutely took advantage in a game where Texas Tech has all of the, has all of the depth benefit. Duke was the one that stayed out of foul trouble and, and, you know, Texas tech let, let Duke get into the bonus in the second half. It was a little dicey there at the end, given that, that Jeremy Roach missed the front end of one of those one and ones down the stretch, but, but otherwise Duke was really able to capitalize on the foul difference that helped at the end of the first half when Duke was able to get a couple extra fouls. And especially at the end of the game where Texas tech could not, could not really establish the rhythm. I want to come back and talk about Mark Williams. Because please, Jason, please. you mentioned you mentioned the defensive effort for Mark Williams, the way that he was able, especially in the paint, but even a couple times he got pulled out and and wasn't perfect, you know, defending on the perimeter. That's not really where he belongs. And, and teams are certainly able to exploit that. But when he is within 12 feet of the basket, was completely uh was completely unstoppable on the defensive end. He was he was swatting balls left and right altering shots, doing all the things that he's great at. And on the offensive end, I thought Mark Williams was fantastic finding spaces because as we said, the Texas tech defense is going to force guys into certain places. And Mark Williams always managed to find his way to the basket tonight, be that for one awesome alley-oop from Jeremy Roach, but also for a couple of big putbacks, a couple of big offensive rebounds. I mean, uh, look, that... he had, he had alley-oops from Paulo Bancaro as well. I thought our interior passing, it is so dangerous to do it against Texas Tech. I thought our interior passing was really solid. Duke only had 10 turnovers in this game. And that, to me, that is a huge, Texas Tech forces turnovers. It's one of the things they are really great at doing. 
And for Duke to hold those turnovers just to 10, especially considering how sloppy we started the game. I mean, like we had three turnovers in like our first four possessions or something like that. It was terrible for us to keep the turnovers down to only 10 on this game was a, was a big, big deal. And, and the fact that we were able to get some easy shots, mostly from Mark Williams, also a little bit from Paulo with some interior passing. Um, you got to get easy points against Texas tech because they're, they're very, very few and far between. And as you pointed out, Jason, and maybe this is our opportunity to, to talk about the bad a bit, as you pointed out early in the game, Duke managed to let the nerves completely overwhelm them. Uh, yes. Texas tech, yes. Texas tech managed to, to steal the ball a couple times from Duke and jumped out to like a 10 2 lead. Well, and Sam, if I can, before we get to it, I, there are a couple sure. of the little things I want to do in the good. Cause we should, uh, I, I want to shout out our free throw shooting. This team hit 15 out of 17 free throws in a game that was basically a, you know, one or two possession game, the entire contest. I mean, we've been, we were talking about the two of us were hyperventilating. It was an incredibly tense game. It was the, there's not a single player for Duke, not a single guy in this game has been in a game with this much pressure. I think um, a sweet 16 game. Uh, look, we, we have barely any guys who've even played. For, I was gonna say, for most of these guys, they haven't even played in the NCAA tournament exactly. prior prior to this experience. It's just Joey Baker and Theo John. Like that's yeah. it. And, and, and Joey for, Baker didn't even get into this game. Yeah, and and for them to calmly knock down free throws as much as they did, and boy, I mean, just some AJ Griffin and Wendell Moore just hitting incredibly pressure packed free throws in the final minute of this contest. I, I had to mention that. It's not something that we usually think about unless it's bad. Like free throw shooting, the only time you mention it is when it doesn't go well. The fact that Duke shot big free throws and made them was one of the big reasons that we won this game. And by the way, we hit 15 free throws. They only hit five. We win this game by five. I mean, Duke won this game at the free throw line to some extent. If, if Duke is more like 12 of 17, which is a pretty reasonable, 12 of 17 wouldn't be that horrible. It wouldn't be great, but it wouldn't be that horrible. If Duke was 12 of 17 instead of 15 of 17 at the free throw line, then this is a very, very different contest in that final minute. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like trying to formulate thoughts at the same time that I'm, that I'm reading the box scores and everything. Maybe, maybe one more, um, one more guy. I don't think he had, he had a perfect night by any means, but in terms of turning up the aggressiveness, Paulo Bancaro in the second half. Absolutely. Um, in, in the first half, there was some lackadaisical play from Paulo Bancaro, managed to, to cough up the ball a couple times. But in the second half, the way that he, that he sort of recognized the moment and was taking better shots going towards the basket as opposed to away. I was actually thinking right before the game that, uh, you know, Duke has a tendency, and, and, and Paulo, I think, is probably the worst offender of this, at taking bad shots. And I actually was, was feeling this afternoon, I was feeling a little nervous about this game. And I actually got a little spark of optimism because I thought to myself, you know what? Duke's offense is so good despite the fact or, or with the fact that they're taking all these bad shots. Maybe Texas tech is going to let them take the bad shots. And Paulo's like, he's kind of good at them. He, he was making them a little lazy in the first half. In the second half, he was, you know, going towards the basket. I liked that. It was, it was more aggressive. He was finding more open shooters. It's not like Duke was overwhelming with assists tonight, but the, the passing was, was pretty good given how much Texas Tech denies the passing lanes. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree with you that Paulo figured out how he could be effective in this game. And 
he did not fall back on, you know, sort of take my man off the dribble and do spin moves in the post, that kind of stuff that we know would not have worked against Texas Tech. Texas Tech doubles, they anticipate the spin move and the such. It would have been a disaster if Paulo had tried that. And for, for him at his age and his experience to be able to recognize, okay, well, here are the other things I can do a little bit differently. Be a little, he was a little more patient. And look, we talk about the fact Paulo sometimes dribbles too much, but, but I thought he was more patient in this game and uh, it had some beautiful, it, look, Paulo finishes with four assists, second on the team in assists and, um, and hit three out of four three-pointers. And one of them was just a monster. Uh, it, it came in a moment that uh, I, I was terrified when he hit that last three-pointer with like, uh, it was about three minutes left. You know, I don't have all my notes in front of me to have the exact time and things like that. But, but Paulo hit a three-pointer that was as big as any three-pointer in the entire season for Duke. Yeah, uh, three for four from beyond the arc tonight for Paulo <laughs> yes. Bancaro. We've been talking about how, how we know, like, that's coming for him, right? We know that he has the good shot, uh, and he was able to not just get open, but, but get those shots in rhythm tonight. Jason, can we just spend a couple minutes on the bad? Uh, sure. Because I do think there are a few elements from this game that Duke is going to have the opportunity to clean up on tape tomorrow. So what hey, hey Sam, see? I've got a suggestion for you. I think we yeah. need to take a commercial break, actually. Okay, fine. We will take a we will take a <laughs> quick break. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We will tell you a little bit about the bad. And I'll just get like a quick, quick reaction to the Gonzaga Arkansas game, just so we can tee up a little bit Duke's Elite Eight matchup, a rematch, a rematch of 1994. Of the 1994 national championship game. Stay tuned. Jason, I let us talk a little bit too much about the good. Let's get to the bad here. Now, Duke Duke does advance. That The most important thing here is Duke moves on from the Sweet 16. They get back to the Elite Amen, Eight. brother. <laughs> back to the same. This is the farthest that Duke has gotten since that, uh, since that 2015 run. They've been back to the Elite Eight a couple times. Marvin Bagley made it to the Elite Eight. Zion Williamson made it to the Elite Eight. Now Paulo Bancaro and Wendell Moore and the rest of the crew are in the Elite Eight. But Jason, before we get there, we need to address the bad from the Sweet 16. Yeah, and I think the very first thing, uh, Texas Tech got 12 offensive rebounds. And I, I thought that a lot of those offensive rebounds were, there were balls that would sort of bounce around to a lot of different players and end up in a Texas Tech player's hands. I, I, I don't for a moment want to imply that Duke didn't hustle, that Duke didn't want the ball or anything like that in this game. They clearly did. They played very, very hard against a really good opponent. But I guess I have to put it in the bad. It felt to me like Texas Tech got the loose balls a lot more than Duke did in this game. But I, that's largely credit to them. I, I just thought Texas Tech, super experienced team, knows how to do the little things. And, and that's one of the little things they did. And it resulted in 12 offensive rebounds. And to some extent, that's what kept them in the game. Texas Tech is, as we've said repeatedly, not a really good offensive team. The fact that they got to 73 points is, is actually a pretty good number for them. And a lot of that is because they offensive rebounded way better than they usually do. Yeah, the way that, that they stayed aggressive around the basket, it wasn't even like they were leaving more guys there, but, but some of the guys that were under the basket for them at both ends of the court, both on offense and defense for them, uh, pulled down 
maybe three or four more boards than you might've expected. Duke only gets five offensive rebounds on the night. And, and just as it was at, at the, at the uh, Texas tech offensive end of the floor at, at Duke's end of the floor, not enough uh, crashing the glass, especially on the offensive end, not a ton of second chance opportunities for Duke. No. And when you're playing a team that forces you to take longer, you know, lower percentage shots, that can be the recipe recipe for disaster. And if we were talking about the end of the season, about the end of coach K's career tonight, we definitely would have been leading with the rebounds. Yeah. And thank God we're not, um, you know, another thing that I think Duke really struggled with, uh, you know, if we're talking about the bad, our, our bench play. Um, I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to do this to him too much, but uh, Trevor Keels was terrible in this game. Uh, he, he, he seemed at least little... on the offensive end on, on, on yeah. defense, you know, was putting up, I think the same level of effort that, that the rest of the perimeter sure, guys were, sure. were, but, but as you said on offense, uh, a tough night for him. Yeah. I thought he seemed, um, I, I don't know whether it was unprepared or, or maybe overwhelmed a little bit by the moment, but Trevor Keels did not score a point. He was over three from the field. He missed both his, both his uh, three pointers that he took and he missed a two pointer and, and he just didn't seem to be himself. Um, now, part of that is he wasn't in the flow as much. I don't have the minutes in front of me. We, we haven't even gotten the, the, the minutes played statistic yet on the game because we're recording this so quickly. But Keels like was Trevor out. He was out basically the, uh, the entire time down the stretch. He came in for defense right at the end of the game. But otherwise, was, you know, it was the starting lineup, which now includes Jeremy Roach. It was that group. <laughs> and it, and it will include Jeremy Roach until the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so and and hand in hand with Trevor Keels, um, Bates Jones played only a couple minutes in the first half, but they were terrible minutes. He he missed. He had two open three pointers that he missed. He got just scorched on defense on one play, and and it, it was pretty clear that the that this level of game was not a game that Bates Jones was able to contribute in. Uh, Joey Baker again didn't get off the bench at all. Um, that's a pity because I feel like you know with a team like. Texas Tech that was going to give up three open three-pointers. You know, the two open three-pointers that Bates Jones took, I, I kind of would have loved to have seen if, if Joey Baker could have taken those shots instead. I mentioned that Theo John played played well in his limited time, reasonably well. He didn't get many rebounds. Um, and, and we seemed to struggle with rebounding when Theo John was in the game in a way that we didn't when Mark Williams was in the game. But uh, it, to some extent, this was Duke's iron five. I mean... They, they scored 70, Duke's starter scored 76 of the 78 points in this game. Of the 29 rebounds that Duke grabbed, 28 of them were grabbed by the starters. Um, the bench contributed two blocks by Theo John, one rebound by Theo John, and that's, and, and one basket by Theo John, and that's it. That's just not much production from the bench. I mean, it, if we're going to be honest, that has to go in the bad category. And, and meanwhile, I mean, you know, yes, I, I agree with you that it's a bad, but if all five starters are able to contribute on offense the way they were tonight, AJ hit, hit a couple threes. He seems to be regaining his, his three-point shooting form, which had kind of gotten away from him in, in recent weeks. Uh, Jeremy Roach, of course, has, has turned into an absolutely monstrous driver and, and, and floor general. Wendell Moore was, was back kind of doing Wendell Moore things tonight. I mean, the, the you know, I... I, I'm, we have to highlight the bad. We have to, we have to talk about that stuff, but man, I, so this one, Jason, I, I can't tell you how satisfied I am with the, with the level of effort 
from Duke tonight with the, with, with, I, I think coach K would describe it. We haven't watched his post-game press conference, but I believe that coach K would describe this as the verve that, that the team brought. I have one more headline that came in that yeah, I wanted go for us. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one from Matt devils see red in K's sweet centennial, another uh, milestone that we, that's right. We forgot to until wins. right now, a hundred NCAA tournament wins for coach K you only get to potentially play six of these games, maybe seven, I guess, if you're an 11 seed uh, in, in a given tournament. He's got think about, 100. Think about how rare and difficult it is to win even four games, to make the final four. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. He's, he's essentially done that 25 times. <laughs> yeah, 100. That's, that's, that's insane. Okay, Jason, very quickly to wrap up tonight. Yeah. Gonzaga played Arkansas in the first game. I, and look, before I, before we talk about this, I just need to, I need to ask, maybe you, maybe, you know, you're a media guy. Yeah. Gonzaga was like the number one team all year. And maybe they're not the same TV draw that Duke is, but Gonzaga played their game at four o'clock local time. That was when, that was when all the Gonzaga fans had to watch. And that's when the game was going on. And then Duke got to play their game at nine 50. Yeah. Well, we're on the East Coast. Can you explain to me why neither of the top two teams got to play at times that made any sense for them? Uh, it, it, you, you said the reason already. It is because Duke is the bigger media draw. There's no question that the Duke-Texas Tech game, which, you know, by the way, Texas Tech, I mean, they are not a media draw. But, but Duke-Texas Tech was going to be the top-rated game of the night in all likelihood. And, uh, and CBS and TBS, the two networks that cover this stuff, they, they, are, they are all about getting the right team in the right time slot and getting the right ratings. Is the, I guess the right time slot is, is, is 10 p.m. To, to midnight for, for these games. I mean, it is, it is I don't know. I'm, I'm, t- I'm wired, but I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like in that, I'm like in that delirious state. I had taken like a very brief nap this afternoon. Uh, so I'm in, I'm in a very strange sort of physical presence right now. I, I, I don't like these, I don't like these 10 o'clock tips, but I guess they have to play again on Saturday and they're on the West coast. So that one will probably be late too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so really quickly on this, on this Arkansas versus Gonzaga game, uh, I, I was so impressed. I didn't realize that Arkansas would be this good on defense. They, they have a very highly rated defense um, currently number 11 in Ken Palm and I, so I knew they were good at defense. I didn't know they'd be this good. Uh, when you look at Gonzaga, to only get 68 points is just a crazy number for Gonzaga. That, that's just, that doesn't happen with them. And, and, and that, that was not in a game that had a really low number of possessions. Like it wasn't that, that Arkansas slowed the game down and that's how they held Gonzaga to 68 points. It was an up and down game. It was that Arkansas just played fabulous defense and force Gonzaga into bad shots. Everything, everything was contested. Gonzaga only hit 37% of their shots from the field. That's just a really known. They only hit 23% of their three pointers. Um, and that is how Arkansas won this game. Cause it wasn't like Arkansas played great offense. Arkansas only hit 40% of their shots. They only hit 28% of their three pointers. Um, but Arkansas just played great defense. And so Duke coming off of, this game against the number one defensive team in the country is going to get another defensive juggernaut in this Arkansas club, a club that is playing Arkansas is playing really good right now. They're, they are, 
you know, you, Sam, you were talking about, you know, who's been impressive in this tournament, beating Gonzaga by six. And really they were in control of that game throughout the entire second half. That's, that's as, as impressive as any win in this tournament. The thing that stands out to me from Arkansas's win, I mean, you highlighted a lot about the defense. They got Chet Holmgren to foul out in just 24 minutes. Yeah. And Chet Holmgren, of course, as we remember from, from early in the season, one of the keys to that Gonzaga team that, that was so good. Like, even though Duke, even though Duke beat them, Gonzaga was, was very much one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country this season. And a lot of that was on the shoulders of Chet Holmgren, the, the seven-footer who who you know, defies the, the laws of physics. And Arkansas got him to foul out. They, they made things so difficult for Gonzaga's offense tonight. Gonzaga's offense that is so skilled uh, and, and so capable of beating you in so many ways. Arkansas just like left them in the mud tonight. And, and you got to wonder what, <laughs> what sort of tricks Coach K has up his sleeve for this Elite Eight matchup against the Razorbacks. Look, I don't know if we're going to have time, if we're going to be able to hop on and, and do a, a full Arkansas preview podcast. Uh, I kind of doubt that we're going to find time in the next 36 hours before Duke plays them. But I'll tell you one thing to watch out for when we play Arkansas. Uh, J.D. Note, he, he does everything for them on offense, but he is super inefficient. <laughs> this is a guy, he, he, they, they, he, he is used on 30% of possessions. There's a you know usage statistic. And um, to be... To, to take 30% of the shots or 30% of the turnovers, whatever, you know, however a possession ends, J.D. Note was the guy who ended the possession 30% of the time is a huge number. It's a massive number. It's just something you don't, you don't see all that often. Um, he, he takes a third of their shots during the game. That's just, that's a crazy statistic, but he's not very good at what he does. Like this is a guy who hits less than 30% of his three pointers but he's attempted 244 three-pointers on the year. He, he's a hugely inefficient player, but he is who their offense goes through at all times. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, who matches up again. I, it, it's probably Jeremy Roach because Note has the ball in his hands. He, he is ostensibly their point guard. And so I, I'm, I'm guessing that Jeremy Roach will be the guy who will, who will play him. It's going to be a very interesting defensive matchup. Um, he, he finds ways to score even though he does it in a, you know, in a super, super inefficient way. But uh, this is a team, like I was saying earlier, that is really built around their defensive identity more than their offensive identity. They're a terrible three-point shooting team, you know, thanks to J.D. Note taking a million three-pointers and only hitting 29% of them. One other guy from Arkansas that I would like to highlight, since I guess this is now our, our Arkansas preview, um, one guy that, that stands out to me when I'm, when I'm reviewing the names and, and watching the game tonight, Audis Tony, yeah. who uh, played for Jeff Capel at Pittsburgh. He was he was a three-year guy at Pittsburgh and, and transferred to Arkansas to play for Eric Musselman for his senior season. So Audis Tony, very familiar with Duke, familiar with the Blue Devils. Pitt, of course, beat Duke last season. So uh, he's got, you know, I, it's not like Duke is playing very similarly to the way that they played last year, but uh, Audis Tony has, has a bit of the, the storyline will flow through him on Saturday when Duke meets Arkansas. And, and another guy to watch, I think one of the keys to this game is going to be Jalen Williams of, uh, of Arkansas against Mark Williams of Duke. Jalen Williams is a guy who blocks shots. He is a guy who rebounds. And, and in their game tonight, he had 12 rebounds um, against, uh, you know, a Gonzaga front line that is, you know, Holmgren and Timmy. Those guys, 
Those guys are really, really good for Jalen Williams to get 12 rebounds against that Gonzaga front line. He, he is a very, very important player for, for Arkansas and the matchup between him and Mark Williams, you know, could go a long way toward determining who wins this game. If he's able to, you know, control the middle a little bit and prevent Duke from controlling the middle, then Arkansas is going to have an advantage. So we, I, I don't think Jason, that we'll be able to, as you said, I don't know if we'll be able to get back on before that Arkansas game, but we will certainly be on afterwards. Uh, Duke will play Arkansas Saturday night at the Chase Center for a chance to move on to New Orleans and, and play in the final four. As I mentioned before the break, it is a rematch uh, of that 1994 national championship game that I certainly do not remember. And I am sure that Jason Evans certainly does. So Jason, do you have any, any uh, lingering uh, frustration with the hogs uh, as it, as it pertains to 94? Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Just, just give us for, for those, those of us Duke fans that are under like, I don't know, 35 or so um, that, that might not remember that game. Just, just give us a little, give us a little fodder, get us, get us riled up, get us angry for this one. So the most memorable thing about that game to me is Antonio Lang's fingernails. Antonio Lang, um, a, a, a power forward for Duke, a great leaper and shot blocker. And at a key, key moment with less than a minute to go in that ball game, and it being a back and forth game, Scotty Thurman of Arkansas goes up for a three-pointer that Antonio Lang goes out to block. You remember the way Zion Williamson blocked the, the famous three-pointer by DeAndre Hunter. It looked like Antonio Lang was going to block this three-pointer. Like he, he skied. He went way in the air. And I think he will tell you that he felt the ball graze, just barely graze his fingernails. If he, it is said by Duke fans, if he hadn't gotten a manicure, <laughs> that he would have ended up affecting the shot and blocking it. Instead, it went in and it gave Arkansas their victory, um, ruining Grant Hill's chance to win three national titles. What an incredible career Grant Hill had. That was Grant Hill's final game in a Duke uniform. Chris Collins, you know, another beloved Dukey, had a, had a big shot at the end of that game that if it goes in, you know, perhaps the game goes differently. But it was uh, a, a really, really exciting game. One of the better national championship games you'll ever see. And it was, it was a game that Duke unfortunately came up on the wrong end of. So hopefully Duke is able to pull this out against Arkansas on Saturday and advance to the final four. We of course are going to be watching that before we go very quickly. I did pick the Houston Cougars to beat the Arizona Wildcats. Nice. That is a really 16. nice pick, Sam. I've made, I've made basically no other clever picks in my bracket. So, uh, you know, please, I like, I, I think I'm still, in, in terrible shape in, in the DBR bracket and, and sort of everywhere else that I've submitted picks. But uh, I did, I did get, I did get uh, Houston over Arizona. So that was, that was pretty good. And, and of course there's, there's a whole nother slate of uh, sweet 16 games tomorrow night. We did the, on, the only other game tonight that we didn't really mention was Villanova. They, they took out Michigan. Right. Um, I think in a manner that, that most expected coming into this game, Villanova, of course, a, a really highly rated team, one that Duke got to see early in the season in the close scrimmage. But um, that, that one sort of went the most according to, to, to the expert picks. Otherwise, everything was, was pretty incredible today in college basketball. Yeah, and, and I'll say this about that Houston game, uh, which obviously, you know, I'm not going to lie, I did not get a chance to watch it. <laughs> no, no I, I saw none of it. Right, exactly. I did not see a single second of that game. 
But I, I know that this. Houston was leading for basically the entire game because exactly. the score bug was in the corner. But I, I didn't even flip over to it at halftime. I was too. I was like, I don't know if you can if you can hear the <laughs> the like tension that I'm still trying to <laughs> to get out right now. Like I'm I'm still feeling um, th- this sort of elevated out of body feeling that I that I was feeling the entire Duke game. So uh, I was going to say, Sam. You know, we've been talking about first of all, three of the number one seeds have now been eliminated. It's not even like we have a ton of two seeds still alive. Um, I think we only have two two seeds still alive. You know, a lot of people said, oh, this is going to be a crazy tournament. It is a crazy tournament times 10. The Houston Cougars, who no one has believed in all year, the advanced metrics all tell you that Houston is a great team. And and everyone's like, no, that's not real. That's not real. There's no way. Um, But the Houston Cougars at this moment are the highest rated team left in Ken Pomeroy's rankings. They're the number two team in the country and the number one team Gonzaga is gone. And Sam, you, you were talking about the fact, oh, who's the most impressive team in this tournament? It's Houston. So far. They, they, Houston. They, beat, they beat UAB by 14. They beat Illinois by 15. And they just beat Arizona, who looked, who's looked pretty good. They beat Arizona by 12. Houston has won all three of their games by at least a dozen points. That's super, super impressive. They get a tough Villanova game next, but... I'm kind of through not believing in Houston. I, I didn't pick them in my bracket. I'm, congratulations to you. But if I had to pick that game right now, Houston-Villanova, picking Houston all day long. Yeah, I, I think at this point- I probably given, just cursed them, by the way. <laughs> given, uh, yeah, Houston, Houston and Duke so far, I think have been, have um, uh, looked the most impressive. And, and Duke, I don't think has been as impressive as Houston has. Um, Arkansas had a, had a tough time. In, in one of their uh, early weekend games, obviously beating Gonzaga is, is an incredible feat. So that's awesome. But yeah, the, the tournament so far has been, has been spectacular for the games being close and for unexpected results. And, and we will see uh, how all of that continues tomorrow. Of course, uh, Duke fans might be tuning in to see UNC and, and UCLA tangled tomorrow night. Uh, that should be, that should be a fun one. Um, St. Peter's is also going to be playing tomorrow. So, so tons oh, yeah. of, Tons of fun matchups uh, going on Friday night. It's and then the of best course- time, Sam. It is the best time of year, like times a hundred. Although, as long as as long as your team, uh, we will leave it there. We will be back, as I said, at some point after. I suppose it depends on the exact outcome of the game. We'll be back sometime after Duke's Elite Eight matchup against Arkansas. So for Jason Evans, who is here, for Donald Wine, who is down in Mexico, I assume having a great time. Hopefully, staying safe because. You never know what's going to happen outside of Azteca after a, after a USA-Mexico game. Hopefully all of that is going well. We will talk to you again soon. Stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Headlines, thoughts, reactions, anything you want to say to us, we are, we are taking all of it in right now. Uh, this has been episode 407 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke is headed to the Elite Eight once again. We will talk to you again soon. Duke Band. Take us home. Go Devils! Devils.